This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the latest instalment of Total Saints Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Before we get going, I just wanted to say thanks very much on behalf of both TSP and Saints Archive for all the feedback on our latest two episodes. TSP 113 with Terry Payne and also TSP 114 with Dave Merrington, which was just last week. It's great to hear so many of you enjoyed their company as much as we did. Both, of course, Southampton legends in their own unique way. Moving on to this one, TSP 115, we're keeping it a little more real as we catch up with two dedicated Saints fans who've both been doing some writing in their spare time. In the first half of the pod, we'll be heading for the island of Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands as we catch up with Paul Gilliam. Paul talks his love of Saints, working as a steward at the Dow and covering Las Palmas for the local Gran Canarian English newspaper. After Paul and a half-time breather, we'll kick off the second period with Michael Kern, author of the newest Saints book around, Life of a Saint. Michael will talk about where the idea came from, some of the Saints heroes he spoke with, how book sales are helping towards some important charity work, and where you can find and purchase the book. So let's get going. Partner with Saints Archive and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 115. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. HappyHotTubs.co.uk 
Right, if you can hear the sound of waves gently lapping at a beach in the background, then don't worry, you'll not miss hearing. We've travelled about 150 kilometres west of northwestern Africa and have arrived in the Canary Islands where Paul Gilliam, a die-hard Saints fan, lives, and he's waiting to speak to us now. Paul, welcome to TSP. Uh, good evening, Ben. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me come on board. Look, um, tell us initially about your story of Southampton to Grand Canaria then, Paul. Born in the former and obviously moving out to the latter. Yeah, so born and bred in Totten. In 2002, I uh, went through a, a divorce. Um, at the same time, I used to work at Aerospace down at Hamble, yep. and they wanted redundancies. And I must admit, I never really enjoyed my job, apart from the great uh, group of lads I actually worked with. The job itself was uh, a bit like Groundhog Day. So when I offered uh, redundancy, I was sort of like, right, now I've got a chance. I wasn't so much young, but I was free and single. So I thought, right, let's do something which I'm going to really enjoy, and let's go travelling. And then I decided to get a job with Thompson Holidays and they sent me out to the wonderful resort of Benidorm right. and I stayed there for a couple of seasons and then I moved up to Costa Brava which was uh, brilliant to work being a football fan and by this time now I've worked my way up to a manager status so uh, if you've ever been to Barcelona Costa Brava, Costa Gerada, one of the big excursions we sell of course is going to Barcelona watching them play football mm. So that was really, really enjoyable. And being a manager, like Sunday or Saturday evening was always a busy time for the reps. So the really unfortunate thing for me is that I used to have to guide the, the buses, taking a load of guests to watch Barcelona play. I would say the only, the only downside of it, it was 2004. And I remember right, that was when there was only about mid-table. They want, this is like pre-Messi years. So yeah, yeah. they were just going, you know, for a different stage. But... I must admit, you know, that was great. And I always remember because our like area manager, she was based in Costa Dorada, which is Salou, which is like the, uh, the south side of Barcelona. And once a month, we used to have a, a monthly manager's meeting. And every now and again, we used to, because we used to do so much business with Barcelona, we used to uh, hire out one of the executive boxes to have our like monthly meeting with our big boss. Yeah. And of course, if it turned up right where the players are training on the pitch, you imagine that I spent most of my time watching players train rather listen to the meeting. But you know, that was a, that was a real good experience, you know, going up to Barcelona all the time. So, and then from there, I moved across to Gran Canaria, where now this is home. I've been here, you know, for 15 years now. So I've got a house. I live in the south of the island. I still work at a company called Tui now, which most of you will know. Uh, of course, at the moment, unfortunately, it's you know one of the worst industries to be in yeah. with what's going on with uh, the present climate. Is that of course you know there's no tourists and not knowing when tourists are going to come back again is a little bit depressing. But we do have the sunshine every day, and uh, <laughs> we're a little bit ahead of UK now. We have. I must admit, you know, we were for the first eight weeks here was really, really strict. You know, you had police everywhere. You'd only allowed to go to the supermarket. There was. No daily exercise, no nothing. It was really, really strict. And, and I think the reason why it was strict, because if you got stopped on the street where you shouldn't be, it's automatic 500 euro fine. Blimey. And that word got round straight away. So then people just didn't go out. So two weeks ago, we were allowed to go out uh, between the hours of six in the morning until 10 uh, for uh, exercise. So yep. me and my girlfriend go out for a nice hour and a half walk all along the beach area. So that's really nice now. And so... We're allowed out now, so that's that's something you know we're looking forward to. And 
hopefully as the weeks go by, they're going to start lifting some of the restrictions. So it's uh, not, not the best at the moment, but hopefully things will pick up in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. What about your Saints background then, Paul? Tell us some of your memories of following, watching them over the years, because I think it goes back to the, to the sort of late 70s. Is that right? The 70s, yeah. I was very, very lucky then. The first year we come up, 78-79 season, uh, my dad uh, bought myself and my brother a season ticket in the lovely family centre, which was where the old chocolate boxes used to be. So uh, I have some really great memories. I think all the way through, right up until like the mid-90s, especially like the late 70s and all through the 80s, it's like, you know, I love Samson's, the way we used to have, we have like six or seven like youngsters and then some real good old pros playing. So mm. great memories of watching, starting off with like with Shannon Ball, Keegan, Ivan Golak. And then, of course, we went on to Shilton. And one of my favourite players is used to be Dave Armstrong. Yep. I think one of the most underrated midfield players, you know, most years he used to get 15, 16 goals a season, you know. And hardly got many England caps. I think it was a real shame that he didn't have more, more caps. Mm. Uh, 79, I always remember 79 going to the League Cup final when we lost to Notts Forest, unfortunately. So that was something I went to, which I always uh, have fond memories of. And then the, the great season of 83-84, when we uh, finished runners-up in the league and all the goals from little Steve Moran. <laughs> and I always remember the biggest disappointment was that which I went to was the semi-final at Everton, you know, that, that year. Yeah, I always believed our, our name was written on the cup that year. And I always remember the time when he used to like, I think it was like quarter past one lunchtime when he used to do the cup draw. So yeah. just before the bell used to ring to go back in for afternoon at school, you know, he stood on the, the transmitter radios, listening to the cup draw. And I remember getting Everton. And I think at the time I wanted Watford, but we got Everton. And then, of course, we played him. I think if I'm right, we played him on the Wednesday night afterwards. We, we beat him at home. At the time, I must have been about 12, 13. And we were stood right down the front behind the goal. And, right. of course, I don't know if you know much about what happened after the game. But they want, it was quite nasty scenes on the pitch when thousands of Saints fans piling on the pitch to uh, let off their frustrations. So, not the best. But that, that was, that, I would say, that was one of the biggest disappointments as Lucas in that semi-final. Because I certainly believe we would have gone on to... Uh, win the cup that year and uh, and after having a, a season ticket for a few years then you became a, a steward at the Dell you were telling me in the east stand upper during the late 90s so what was that like yeah well i started like in about 1990 and uh the first years i was a steward it was the the famous Brantford years mm, all right so that that was quite Baptism hard of fire. Like, yeah. exactly because like after the game of course a lot of the time there was protests round in the car park and uh we had stewards had to go around and make sure we kept the crowd away from the entrance. But the hard thing about that, you wanted to join in with the crowd because, you know, like majority of people, we all hated Ian Bramford. But no, there were good times. I was very, very lucky because working in the stand upper, it was mainly, you know, quite old season ticket holders, been there for many, many years. So touch, we never had any problems at all. Uh, it was really good. And back in them days, we used to have to sign in at one o'clock. Right. We used to have a quick quick meeting and then you was meant to go round and go into your stand and just well, basically sit and have a chat for 45 minutes but me and one of my uh, colleague stewards which i better not mention we used to take our stewards coat off sneak out the back 
door between the stand-up around Archer's Road and quickly nip across to the uh, gamekeeper for uh, <laughs> a couple of jars. before, And we had to get back just before 2 o'clock when the gates open, when the crowd come in. So that was always uh, a yeah. good little highlight. And people we used to see people thinking, uh, I swear they're stewards, but yeah. we, we got away with that. So, well, uh, I'd, I'd just briefly like to say if anyone from Southampton Football Club's listening, obviously we are not in associated with Paul in any particular way whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so as, as you say, I mean, there wouldn't have been much trouble up in the uh, the stand-up. I guess the only thing I would have wondered is if you had the away fans later on, but you've obviously covered that off. But any particular sort of, I don't want to say funny, but any particular anecdotes or stories that you remember for odd situations that you had to deal with, Paul, or not? Uh, yeah, because if you remember right, when they moved the away fans from the Archers into the East Stand corner, yeah. then, then, of course, then we did have away fans. And at the time... If they wanted a cigarette, they had to have to come out at half time. So then the only barrier we had was about four of us stewards. Mm. So we went from being a really sort of like peaceful, relaxing stand. We had like no trouble to keeping away fans apart there. And I do remember one occasion where there was these four lads turned up. I can't remember who we were playing. One of the northwest sides. And there was a real thick, like Lancashire accent, these four lads. And basically, we was like, sorry, lads, you're in the wrong end. You should be in the way. And no, 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 complimentary tickets. Of course, we looked at it, and all of them looked really, really rough-looking lads. And basically, in the end, we let him in because one of them was Brett Ormerod's brother. Oh, so right, Brett Ormerod right. and his best mates. And uh, But in the end, we let him in, so they were, they, were, they were good lads. But in general, no, and I just... I always feel that I was very, very grateful because I was very lucky to get in that position where I stayed. And the view was literally right on the halfway line. And, you know, the minute the game kicked off, that was it. I was getting paid to watch the love of my life watching Saints play. So it was a job made in heaven. I <laughs> of course, at yeah. the time, we didn't get much money, but it was like the cost of what you were paid to get in. That's what we got paid. And one, one of the highlights being a steward, especially when we was at the Dow, is that a couple of years on the trot, we were entered into a, a stewards football tournament. So the first year it was at Arsenal. So we played at Arsenal training ground where yeah. we done okay. I think we got through to like the quarters of semi final, but we didn't have the strongest of teams. And what we did realise, looking around some of the other teams, especially I think it was Liverpool and Bolton, is that half of them want stewards. They were like basically ringers playing. Yeah, so. Yeah. The following year, it was up at Aston Villa, right. and uh, our manager, who's still involved at St Mary's, I better not mention his name in case he gets in trouble with us, we did put quite a few ringers in, <laughs> and, well, I think three or four of the ringers were really good friends with Wade Elliott. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Wade Elliott actually come along with us for the weekend. As you imagine, it was a bit of a end-of-season, drinking, stroke-playing football, but yeah. with these three or four ringers, and we actually did win. So we did win the Cup up at Aston Villa that year, and Wade Elliott was our assistant manager, which was good, but yeah. he, he's a top lad as well, Wade Elliott. He, he is. I used to go to Barton Peveril with Wade, yeah, exactly. That was uh, yeah. a long, long time ago. Talking about pre-match then, Paul, you said you've got a good story about watching Matty warm up. Is that right, Matt Letizia? Yeah, because... If we want down at the gateway, sometimes the players used to come out about half one and have a bit of a warm up. Yeah. So I always used to think to myself, if you was like the England boss or an England coach or a scout just watching the players, you're sat in the stand and so you could see some of the scouts were sat there watching. Matt used to come out and some of the other lads are going through the warm up routines. And uh, unfortunately, all Matty seemed to used to do was go and go. <laughs> You know, um, and he was there with gloves diving around in goal. So you think, you know, really, Matty, should you be doing this? But he even looked really good in goal at the time. So, you <laughs> he know, did, he was just a, yeah. Yeah. You know, just like going in goal. And you think, oh, come on, Matty, you know, they're <laughs> bound to be watching you. Someone's going to be watching you. But 
but then I, I think that's just just him on it so yeah it was I, I was gonna say I always remember uh yeah there was quite often incidents where you'd have the keeper in goal and then the reserve keeper taking crosses in and that sort of thing and all the other lads would be doing their sort of star jumps across the pitch and that sort of thing and uh, when the keeper caught the cross he'd roll it out to Matty on the edge of the air and Matty would just take a shot at him and that was pretty much his exactly but uh got a story about Saint Social Club post-match well that uh, you wanted to yeah. tell yeah right so uh, once the game's finished and then we check the stand but a lot of our stewards and a few of my mates used to go back into the old Saint Social Club mm. And I always remember, I think in the mid-90s, it was always such a great atmosphere. And at the time, whoever got man of the match in like the main corporate box, well, not boxes, the corporate areas in the old Dale, they used to have to be dragged into the same social. And I was thinking of myself, you know, it was such a great atmosphere. They used to get on the stage and all the fans used to clap them. They used to talk a little bit about the game, blah, blah, blah. But I was just thinking, I I must admit, I've never been to the new... Uh, social club at St Mary's but I really can't see that happening in this like modern day where the players come in have a good chat with the lads and you know it was just such a great atmosphere especially you know after yeah. the good wins you know you think back in the good old days especially the early years when you know I always used to remember like most games you used to win three or four nil at the Dow and then of course we never used to pick up any away wins but it's a little bit different this season <laughs> it is so. it is and yeah you mentioned St Mary's there then Paul so just before moving to Spain you did have one season at St Mary's you mentioned as a steward so that must have been quite a different experience and a different view based on the Dell yes and no it was I was very lucky again when we moved to St Mary's I volunteered to look after one of the disabled sections oh yeah and I managed to get the right underneath where Mr. Rupert Lowe's to sit, right by the big clock. Right. So right in front of, you know, where all the chairmen sits. Yeah, so again, so must be just me attracted to the halfway line. So that season, <laughs> it was a great view. But I would say going back to my stewarding days, doing that job, it was a little bit different because when we moved to St. Mary's, that was then we used to have to clock in and clock out. Mm. Uh, there was no sneaking off to the pub then because you imagine closed circuit TV and especially my position where I was working, I was working right in like the main entrance. And then, you know, my, my guests used to come in, you know, sit by the stadium there and they used to come inside, take them up on the lifts and uh, watch the game. And of course, that season then, that was when, again, people were starting to protest a bit at low. So you imagine you stood right in front of Rupert Lowe and he's uh, getting all this stick. And again, you wanted to join in, but of course you couldn't. But it was a good first season, and I say that was uh, lucky again to be where I was stewarding because again we had another great view of the uh, of the stadium. So yeah, no, completely. And how do you keep in touch with Saints these days, Paul? I mean, coronavirus aside, of course, appreciate. But do you get back to watch them much? And if so, and, and if not, how do you rate the current squad and the the manager at the moment? What do you think of it all? Well, I'd say that was the joy of going back up in the Premiership because the first years when they were like in the Champions League one, it was just listening to the old Saints player. So yeah. it was, which I must admit, I, I really do enjoy. And I sometimes miss it, you know, listening to Dave Merritt and Adam, you know, it was really good on a Saturday afternoon. But now, modern technology and the internet, I watch every single Saints game, home and away, on my TV at home. Yeah. That's really good. And then I normally get three months off in the winter time, So I normally come home and over the last few years, every time I seem to come home, every, I try and get as many games as I can. And unfortunately... All my mates normally call me the jinx because we normally lose. But I did turn the corner this season. I, I managed to go uh, Watford at home, right, Aston yeah. Villa at home, yeah. and Aston Villa away. So this year I did see three wins. 
especially the Aston Villa game, it was just before Christmas, and yeah. uh, that was a cracking performance. You know, that was you know really good. And I must admit, after watching Aston Villa, I thought, well, they are down because mm. they looked a real poor side. But yeah, so I do try and get any chance I do, and. I was lucky enough that I flew back for the 2003 Cup final right, at yeah. Cardiff. And after the game, I, I had to fly straight back to Alicante. And I was lucky enough to sit next door to uh, Peter Rodriguez on the flight home, because at the time he was living in, in Spain himself. So that was good to sit next to him and have a good chat about why did we win the Cup final and was stracking at full. And so that was good. And I went to Milan. That was a good experience. I have a friend, another Saints fan, who lives right down in southern Spain. So we, we flew, I flew from here. We both met up in Madrid, stayed the night in Madrid. And then we had a flight from Madrid across to Milan. Yeah. Went to the game. Had a great night in Milan up at six o'clock. And I was thinking I was back in work and back, I passed 10 that day on the, on yeah. the, on the Friday. So that was a whirlwind trip to Milan. So yeah, I try and get as many games as I can. I, I was worried about missing the cup final, the league cup final. And uh, a chap out here, his brother used to was quite high up with Virgin. So right, I yeah. managed to get a corporate ticket in the uh, corporate seating for the cup final. And I, had a, I must have, at the time, I had a great photograph with Ken Moncow. And uh, at the time, everyone thought he was our hero, was uh, Van Dyke. Because mm, so, yeah. you think he was injured. But I think I've somehow lost that photograph after <laughs> we went to Liverpool. So I didn't keep hold of that. Used it to warm the fire or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, brilliant. And, and lastly, then, as mentioned in the intro, during your sort of spare time, you write for the local English newspaper out there on Las Palmas FC, as we'd know them. Or uh, I was doing my research, Paul, Union Deportivo Las Palmas, as I think the uh, locals yeah. will know them. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah I... Uh, to get my football fix, me and my uh, couple of Spanish friends, uh, we go up to Las Palmas. It's about a 45-minute drive from where we live, and uh, we had a couple of great seasons. Well, two seasons on the trot, we missed out uh, in the playoffs, which was really heartbreaking. Well, the first year we missed out, we were winning, right. and we got a goal in about the first minute of injury time, so we were basically promoted. Yeah. All the crowd ran on the pitch. They got delayed for about, I think, at least 15, 20 minutes to get the crowd off. By the time they'd done that, at the time they had a corner. I can't remember the team he played, but they had a corner. Literally, they took the corner. They scored from it. The referee blew up because where the tunnel was, the players' tunnel, it was, it was that end. Yeah. So we drew, and then we, we, we didn't go up. But then the following year, we went up to La Liga. And then when we were in La Liga, of course, we had the first year was brilliant. You know, we had a couple of good players. We had a... I don't like to say it, but we had an ex-Pompey, uh, uh, Prince Kevin Botain, but he was superb. I must admit, he was really good. Uh, another lad called Jonathan Vieira, who at the moment, I know he's in China playing, but right. he was superb. We had another little lad called Rocky Messer. I think he had a spell at Swansea. And I, don't, I think the premiership was too tough for him because mm. uh, Las Palmas is, is very famous for playing very similar to like Barcelona, a little one-touch football. Uh, a good little team to watch, but unfortunately now, very similar to... Uh, our beloved Saints is that they had to sell the good players. They got relegated, and yeah. now they're just a mid-table, you know, Division One team. Haven't really got much money. Mm. The crowds, unfortunately, have dwindled away. But I have a friend who runs a local uh, newspaper over here called the Canary News, right? And he's, he, he absolutely hates football. So, <laughs> but when we went up to the league, he was like, "You knew I went. Yeah. You know, any chance I could do a match report?" So I started doing match reports. Which of course I'm not a journalist, so they're they're very much a football fan's views, very very biased. Even though we used to lose four or five nil, we we're still a little bit unlucky. <laughs> or, or 
Or on the flip side, you know, I don't mind because I don't know no one, so I don't mind like slagging them off. If <laughs> players play really bad, I will really slag them off in my uh, report. You sound like so, Adam Leach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's true. It's, I think that's the best way of, to write a match report is see it through a, a fan's eyes. So but I enjoy doing that and uh, I still do it now. But of course, the season, of course, it's not running at the moment, but yeah. we're hoping to carry on soon so. yeah no exactly and uh, yeah for, for those that don't know then they're they're currently 14th in the Spanish Segunda Division I did my research uh, Paul and I didn't realise until I was looking into this that they're managed by Pepe Mao who of course was once at West Bromwich Albion wasn't he correct yeah he's been this is his second season he's doing okay but I think his hands are tied yeah but I think the, the biggest thing here what we're all hoping because the little village I live in is the village of David Silva alright you know, right. Man City player all so, right. so we're all hoping somewhere to retire now he's like retired from internationals. When there's like a you know an international break, he always comes back to the island. He just blends in with the locals. And I always remember when he actually signed for Man City. After about the first week, everyone driving around our little local village, everyone had a Man City shirt. On. But <laughs> they, uh, he, you know, he does a lot of good for like the little local uh, village we live in. He's he's sponsored uh, the little leisure centre. So that's the David Silver Leisure Centre and. Uh, <laughs> There's loads of rumours that when I think his contract runs out this year, and he's always uh, you know been quoted in the press saying that he wants to come back here to finish his last couple of seasons playing yeah. for his home island. But I did read a couple of weeks ago, I think Beckham's been tapping him up to uh, go to the right. American League, especially because we haven't got no money here. Yeah, I must say, as a, as a footballer, it must be brilliant when your agent rings you up to say that Lash Palmas are interested and uh, you can spend a couple of years on Gran Canaria or something like that. It's probably the uh, phone call that they all want, really, isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, and what do you think? I mean, obviously, as you said, it's it's tough and there's not a lot of money around. And, of course, we need to wait and see what happens in terms of football and coronavirus anyway. But just to finish, do you think they've got the potential to get back up into La Liga the next two or three years? Or do you think it'll be hard? I think it'll be hard because... We managed to get uh, Jonathan Vieira back when the Chinese league finished around about end of September through to around Christmas time. When he turned up, we won about six games on the trot and we ended up in the playoff position. But then, of course, he's gone back to China around Christmas time and then yeah. we're slowly drifting down the table now because they just lack goals. It's yeah. uh, Sometimes it's very similar to watching Saints play, unfortunately. <laughs> so. I'm just looking here, yeah, he's, he played 13 games on loan in 2019 and scored 10 goals, so you're right, so he's obviously, uh, he's obviously yeah. decent. He's decent, yeah. Yeah, but uh, look, I mean, it's been great having you with us, Paul, and I instantly feel a little bit warmer having spoken to you somewhere in a, in a much more tropical climate, but uh, look, I mean, keep flying that red and white flag over there in uh, Gran Canaria, and you know, most importantly, thanks very much for joining us and having a chat to us this week. No problem, anytime. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Okay, it's time for the second half now, and we're returning home to Southampton. Joining us is Michael Kern, Saints fan, presenter, and author of the newly released Life of a Saint book. Michael, good to have you with us. How are you keeping? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. It's um, crazy times, isn't it? But hopefully everyone's keeping safe and well. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, before we get on to the, the book, tell us a bit about your sort of background supporting watching Saints. We know you're a massive fan like uh, all of us. 
Yeah, so for me, grew up from yay high, just loving Southampton. And, and like many of us, I'm sure, you know, grew up having that ambition of, of pulling on the famous red and white stripes. You know, I was a goalkeeper. My dream was to play in goal for Southampton one day and got to 19 and the knees were a bit dodgy and that kind of dream kind of faded away. But, you know, Southampton boy born and bred. Southampton's my team and been there through the highs, been there through the lows. Massive inspiration for me is the 76 cup final yeah. um you know i'm very lucky to to know one of the two other players from 76 and very lucky that i'm kind of the current custodian of dave peach's medal which is incredible and i kind of yeah. share that with as many people as possible because you know that story is just amazing david worth is goliath and <laughs> you know little bobby stokes getting that goal it's incredible so southampton has been a massive part of my life very blessed to have had some amazing moments as a fan you know going to the cup final in 2003 being at the league cup final at wembley a few years back now mm. when at the lows as well when we got relegated from the Premier League but being there when we got back there and I remember running onto the pitch and all of a sudden just seeing Ricky Lambert emerge in front of me and I was just oh my god it's like a heavenly moment but yeah massive Saints fan um love the club to pieces and say very blessed to to be involved with them um this season and you know the opportunity to do the awards last year was I think one of the highlights of my career and ironically it was about this time that the awards should have been happening again and I was kind of booked in to do that again and you know as a Saints fan I think if you can't play for the team that's one of the pinnacles if you can do something like that for me especially as a presenter so that would that was pretty special but yeah Southampton through and through cut me in half and I'm red and white <laughs> um, I know it's really to ask someone's age Michael how old are you I'm 30 now oh, yeah, 30, the, the big three oh so. end of last year so no, that's fine I was, the only reason I ask is I'm 38 and uh, I played in golf for 20 years so I was just checking that we weren't competing for the same spot there <laughs> <laughs> hey well you never know if we'd both made it for Saints we would have been <laughs> Exactly. So uh, look, as, I, as I mentioned, it's been a busy few weeks for you. Obviously, the new book officially released last weekend, the 9th of May. Tell us where the idea came from and, uh, you know, without giving too much away, because, of course, we want people to buy it. What's it about in general? Yeah, so the whole idea happened um, towards the end of last year, really. Um, I'm good friends with a gentleman called Mike Few, who used to be the uh, former chairman of the ex-Saints. And we'd known each other years, and I've always wanted to do something about Saints, um, whether it be a book or a documentary or something like that. Um, and I just kind of had this idea of, you know, there's so many amazing players that have played for us over the years. There's the real high profile ones, um, you know, which, of course, you ask any football fan, they'll tell you about Matthew Letizia or they'll know about Mick Shannon. But there are so many amazing players that were just heroes for us. And I'm conscious that a lot of those would never have the chance to write an autobiography. And I thought, well, how can I get their stories and make sure they're never forgotten? You know, I think that's really important that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of history and making sure we remember those moments so I met up with Mike and I said look I've got an idea I want to write this book where I interview former Saints players the big names the names that we all loved in the 80s and players that played for us a handful of times but came through the youth system and he said let's do it um, so we set some interviews up we wrote a hit list of of players of who we'd like to, to interview and every single person said yes mm-hmm. um, which is amazing so yeah. we've we've got 21 in the first book um, ranging from Laurie McMenemy, Matt Letiz, Jimmy Case to John Sydenham, Ruben Agbula, Dennis Hollywood, Bill Beanie, Mike Earls, Dennis Roth. So there's a real mix of different ages of players and fans that would have seen him in different times. We've got Joss Huveld in there as well. So yeah, it's been a real pleasure to put together. For me as a fan, to, to spend time with some of these players is incredible. You know, I've, I'm kind of very lucky to about 90% of them I've had met before or, or knew of them and we'd had an interaction. But, you know, there were some players I spoke to for the very first time and 
for me, I felt so privileged doing those interviews about their career and their stories of, of how they joined the club. You know, someone like Mike Earls mm. literally was a, a schoolboy playing for Ireland. Ted Bates went over, picked him up and said, right, come on, I want you to come to Southampton. And the first time he left Limerick was to come to Southampton. <laughs> and there's some great stories about his career and his first day in training and the players he was around. And I think we forget like how many great players mm. played for us over all the generations. Like we're so lucky as Saints mm. fans, you know, like with Kevin Keegan, you know, Lauren Menemy tells us a bit more detail about that story about how he signed him in the book. But they've all got a story and we've all got these big names right the way through the generation. And it's just incredible to make sure these stories are documented. And, and that's basically the culmination of the book. We've got 21 players in the first book. And effectively, I've done a little bit of a bio about each player at the top of it. And then it's their words. So I've basically broken down their interviews and put little headings and it's their words and their stories. So fingers crossed it will be um, maybe reminiscing for some people and opening of a, a new kind of education for other other people that have don't know too much about some of these players yeah and uh, i mean i think first things first as you say it says a lot for our club and the players that have played for the club over the years that all of them said yes it shows how much all of them love playing for saints and, and telling their stories but were there any there sort of moments that uh, i mean of course i'm sure they would have been very open and honest and i have to say michael i'm still waiting to read the book of course like lots of people waiting to, to get it through at the moment but was there any sort of tales that surprised you or anything that sort of left you a little bit jaw dropped when you were writing it um, I just think for me, just hearing the stories of how much the club means to these players, like mm. even today, I think that was a real eye opener for me and how much the love and support of the fans like really does mean to them. So we interviewed John Sydenham and we interviewed him about like three or four days after he had um, had a heart operation towards the start of the year. Mm. And I said, look, if we want to rearrange this, like this is cool, we can do it. And I was like, no, 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 I want to do it. I want to do it. And um I was on the phone to him for about an hour and he just said he, he just couldn't believe the love and support still. Mm. You know, he'll he'll bump into, he lives in Australia now and he'll bump into Saints fans and they'll be like, oh my God, John, I remember you when he played this game and that game. And, and for him, that is just so special and so important to him. And that was something I really got from everyone. And people like Ruben Agbula and, you know, chatting to him and Danny Wallace, they made their debut in the same day. Yeah. Um, and the story about how they found out that they were both starting is incredible. So for me, I felt very blessed just to have the opportunity to record their story really you know that this book is a slice of history as i've explained it in, in one interview you know and hopefully it'll be something that will provide as an archive that over generations we can do volume after volume and share the stories as more and more players hang up their boots we can do another book and another book and you know it could become volume upon volume and you know something really you know resourceful and nice to never forget these players yeah, absolutely and uh, of course it's not the players that are in, you know, solely involved michael you managed to get fans involved as well right yeah, that was something I was really conscious of, you know, because um, we are saints, right? We, we we don't play on the pitch, but we play our part in the stands and and we support them. So I wanted to get fan memories in as well. So in this book, um, it's your memories of the Dell and we put some comments out on social media and it was amazing. It was overwhelming to have such a great response, which is great. And I'm already working on the next two or three books. So um, the next one, there'll be some information coming out soon and people who've got their copy already will, will, will know what the next one is. And um, we're going to start writing that in a few weeks time. And once the lockdown's over and we can video the interviews as well but effectively it's about 1976 to celebrate the um, 45th anniversary next year so Brilliant. there'll be a, an opportunity to fans to share their memories and also i want to do a nice um, memorial to obviously two of the players that are no longer with us you know peter osgood and bobby stoke so i want to make sure we get a real good collection of memories from fans about and also from the players about those two guys because they were amazing characters part of our side and of course you know little bobby stokes without him we wouldn't <laughs> have won the fa cup so no indeed and uh, look michael i know it won't be about this because uh you are one of us and it's clear from the passion already but how much time and effort have you put into pulling this together because i imagine it's been hours 
Yeah, it was. So we were obviously we were due to launch on the 9th of May, which we did. Um, and obviously lockdown happened and I got a, a call from my printers. So I've, I've self-published the whole book. You know, it's my second book I've self-published now and just done it from the scratch. I've been in charge of everything, the <laughs> graphics, the design and everything. And uh, I just got a call from my printer. And he said, look, Mike, I'm really sorry, but um, we need to move the print date forward. And I went, no, that's fine. You know, we've got still like eight weeks to go. And he went, yeah, I need the book in three weeks. And I'm like, Okay. Um, so literally, I, I spent three weeks solid in front of a computer and, you know, we got all the interviews transcribed, typed them all up, edited them. And, you know, Mike, if you kindly had a look through them as well and had a few other people go through bits and pieces on it, which was great. And, um, yeah, it's here and it's amazing to, amazing to have it and hold it and feel it. And, you know, people have, uh, you know, we had an amazing response to the pre-order, which was incredible and slight delay on some of them coming out because obviously the postal service at the moment, but obviously our posties are doing an amazing job yeah, and yeah. they've got a lot of demand on them at the moment. So, you know, I really appreciate the fans' patience on that. You know, I sent them out in good time to be with everyone on the ninth, but I think a few arrived the, the week after. So um appreciate everyone's patience on that. You know, that meant a lot. But um yeah, it's it's out now and you know people the feedback so far has been really good. So just hope people are enjoying it. And the big thing for me is making sure that these players' memories are, are there. They're there now. They're in ink and they're immortalized and, and will forever be there. And maybe in 50, 60 years time someone will pick this book up and they'll go, Oh my God, you know, who's, who's this guy called Dave Puckett? Who's who's Jason Dodd? And they'll read these stories and kind of feel the love and passion we all do look i mean it's not just the players that have benefited from sort of having a chat to you uh, michael most importantly maybe is that there's some absolutely brilliant charities benefiting from some of the the sale proceeds and the brilliant work you've done so who, who are you sort of working with in terms of charities and how did you come up with sort of choosing who you were going to partner with yeah, so a big thing is for me personally and also with the book has been about making a difference and can I give back and, and support everyone. So um, a big thing is the Saints Foundation. So mm. a pound per book is going to the Saints Foundation uh, and two pound per book will also be going um, to other good causes where I'm liaising with, with Mike Few on that and with some of the players and different charities that they want to support, which is really cool. Um, and we did something quite cool with a pre-sale that a pound extra from every book went to support um, those charities helping out with um, people suffering at the moment and struggling with the COVID-19 situation. So um, we've donated £150 from that pre-sale to Fair Share, who mm -hmm. the foundation have also been supporting and I've been doing some volunteering with uh, and they're also helping us distribute um, another four checks of £50 each to smaller food banks as well so um, yeah it's been incredible so I think we're up to in total now we're, we're well over £1,500 that we've raised um, for charity so yeah £3 per book now post pre-sale is it goes to charity so it's um yeah it's giving back as well which is really important for me i think one thing i love about southampton is you know we're, we're a great city and we're a great bunch of people and if we can support each other that's a that's a big thing for me so yeah it's all about giving back and doing the support that we can and every single book that i'm going to be doing for the life of a saint series will we'll do that in some way you've got a great little idea for the 76 book which we'll announce in a few months time mm -hmm. so yeah it's all about just supporting each other and helping each other i think that's a that's a big thing for me so um yeah the support's been incredible and so we've managed to raise a good amount and you know fingers crossed the more copies we sell the more support we can give indeed and uh, look it's probably not just saints fans uh, michael because i'm sure there'll be football fans out there that love reading football books and uh, i think we've all been tracking your uh, progress over the last seven days up the amazon uh, ratings and all that sort of thing so <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm sure by the time this airs you'll be you know flying at number one there but uh, how can people find the book michael where's the best sort of places to try and order it and uh, you know that sort of thing yeah, so of course it's available on Amazon, um, which is really cool to have it on there. So you can kind of get that. It's available on Amazon Prime and also um, Amazon in general. And then also the website as well, um, lifeofasaint.co.uk. So two places you can get it. And yeah, we're trying to get into a few shops as well. But obviously with everything on lockdown at the moment, that's um, obviously a little bit tricky. And, you know, that will come in due course. But yeah, Amazon or, or via the website, lifeofasaint.co.uk. Brilliant. All right. And uh, just finally, then, um, is there anyone that you haven't had the chance to interview yet that is on your hit list that we should keep an eye out? You know, who's that person that you really, really want to try and get to for one of your future books? 
Oh, so many, so <laughs> many. Um, literally, he's a Saints fan. You know, so I'm just I'm writing another one at the minute about England, which comes out later on this year. You know, I had the privilege of chatting to Ricky Lambert about his England career the other mm-hmm. night. You know, so I'm so lucky. But look, there's some icons, right? The 76 boys will just be amazing. That'll be a real privilege. I mean, there's just such a long list, right? Kevin Keegan, mm-hmm. um, Peter Shilton. There's yeah. some amazing names of people that have played for us over the years. So you can pin me down just to pick just one. Like, I guess there's players that I guess when I grew up that I really idolised. Like my first ever replica. Saint shirt had the number eight on it because I really like Matt Oakley right yeah. so it'd be great to get him in the book or, or something like that so um yeah just a Saints fan who's just very keen I always joke on talk sport but I'm a deluded obsessed Southampton <laughs> fan and we're going to win every game and I love our club so much so um yeah any former player I don't care if you've played one game or hundreds of games yeah. you're just as special as every other Saints player so I want to speak to you and I want to get you in this book you'll have to try and track down Ali Dyer can you imagine? You know, I'd love to do it. I read an article about him the other day. Someone tried to track him down. I think they found him eventually. So I'm going to try and do a bit of digging and see if we can get it. But um, yeah, I think there was a, there was a great story on um, on Sky Sports. I don't know if anyone saw it, but about um, about how it happened with Sunes. And they were saying that like there was loads of injuries at the time, and they literally just had no choice. And he came on, and it was just shocking. So yeah. that's worth a little watch if you're looking for something to do. I was going to say, I'm not sure many of us believe that Sunes tailed to that, but uh, there we go. But uh, yeah, but uh, look, just before we go, then Michael, um, you know, you're obviously well connected. I'm sure lots of people follow you and uh, aware of any anyway but just remind us where people can sort of follow you on social media michael and also the book you know the twitter handle that sort of thing yeah so i'm just at michael kern on social media and then it's just life of a saint 85 so um yeah easy to find i kind of link all the accounts together but no it's um thanks for having me on the show really appreciate it and keep up the good work i really enjoy your podcast fantastic michael well, it's been great to have you along for uh, a chat and uh, very much uh, wish you the best of luck not only with this book but with the uh, future episodes coming along as well thank you very much really big thank you to both Paul and Michael for joining us on this week's podcast. Thanks also to you for listening. Don't forget lifeofasaint.co.uk for Michael's book. Hopefully we're a week closer to some form of normality resuming soon and potentially some football as well. Let's keep watching this space. In the meantime, please don't forget that you can get in touch with us at any point, either through Facebook, just look for Total Saints Podcast, Twitter, you can follow us and message us at Total Saints Pod, or you can get in touch via our email address, Total Saints podcast at yahoo.com. Next week, our podcast will be entirely dedicated to the Dow, our beloved old stadium. So we're very much looking forward to putting that one together. Keep an eye out for it. Until then, also keep safe, keep well, and keep marching in. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.